Section 14 of Sir Francis Drake by Julian Corbett. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by Pamela Nagami. Chapter 8. The Dragon Loosed. Part 2. In the morning he anchored in the road, ran out his guns, and proceeded to threaten a landing at the point close to that side of the town upon which Carleo was stealthily approaching in two parallel columns. As the Spaniards saw the fleet preparing the advance of the boats and pinnaces, the whole of the horse and a large force of foot marched out of the town to oppose the threatened attack, and took up a position fronting the sea, with their left resting on the town, and the other flank exposed to the line of Corleo's advance. It was exactly what had been foreseen, and ere the Spaniards had discovered that the movement from the fleet was merely a feint, the horse which were covering their exposed flank were flying before Carleil's musketeers. The surprise was complete. Taken in flank by Carleil and threatened in the rear by his second column under Powell, the chief of the staff, the infantry could make no real resistance, and so rapidly was the English advance pushed home that the struggling mass of friend and foe entered pell-mell through the open gates of the town. For an hour, alarms of drum and trumpet mingling confusedly with the sounds of street fighting reached the listening fleet as the two columns forced their way to meet upon the plaza but how they fared none could tell till on a tower a white staff suddenly appeared and in another moment the cross of st george fluttered gaily out upon the breeze with a roar of triumph the ship's guns saluted the signal of victory the town was won. Though the garrison fled panic-stricken across the river on the far side of the city, and the citadel was evacuated in the night, the place was far too large to be occupied by the force at Drake's command. Following, therefore, the same tactics that had been successful at Nombre de Dios, he ordered the troops to entrench themselves in the plaza and to occupy the principal batteries in this way he held the town for a month the plunder was disappointing the city was already a hundred years old and its day was done for the reckless native policy of the colonists had almost ruined the island it remained but to treat for a ransom the governor at once declared himself unable to meet the extravagant demands of the english admiral and in order to bring him to terms drake began to burn the town piecemeal but so well was it built that little harm could be done, and every day his impatience increased. Once, in the course of the negotiation, he sent a boy with a flag of truce to the Spanish camp. A Spaniard, meeting the lad, so ill-treated him that he could barely crawl back to die at the admiral's feet. Then all the fury of Drake's nature burst forth. Two friars who were among the prisoners were immediately sent ashore and hanged by the provost-marshal on the scene of the crime. Another was dispatched to the Spanish camp to declare that two more would be executed every morning until the offender was brought down and hanged on the spot by his own authorities. In hasty alarm the demand was complied with, and then the international dinners and the negotiations went on more smoothly convinced at last of the poverty of the colony drake accepted a ransom of twenty five thousand ducats the sum which is equal to about fifty thousand pounds of our money 
though little enough to satisfy the shareholders was very serious for the enemy for besides this loss the town had been stripped of everything worth carrying away by the troops and seamen two hundred and forty guns were taken on board the english ships and not only were they thoroughly refurnished from the spanish stores but for a month the whole expedition had lived in free quarters at the enemy's expense the entire fleet which lay in the harbour fell into drake's hands and with the exception of four of the finest galleons was given to the flames beside the vessels which the spaniards themselves had scuttled two galleys with their tenders fifteen frigates and a galleon were thus destroyed and hundreds of galley slaves set free it was such a cooling to king philip said one in europe as the news leaked out as never happened to him since he was king of spain but as yet drake was far from done in the middle of february with his force recruited by the english prisoners he had freed and with a troop of attendant prizes laden with his spoil in undiminished strength he appeared before cartagena no city in america was more difficult of approach but the memories of the old hard days were still green when storm-beaten drenched and chilled without food or shelter he had ridden in the harbour day after day in despite of all the spaniards could do and he knew it all like a pilot the city was built close to the shore fronting west and directly from its southern face an inlet of the sea stretched many leagues southward along the coast forming a large lagoon the long spit of land which separated this sheet of water from the sea was pierced by two natural channels at the far end was the dangerous boca chica and some three miles from the city was a larger entrance known as the boca grande between this entrance and the town a tongue of land ran out at right angles from the spit to the opposite shore forming an inner harbour and barring all approach to the city from the outer part of the lagoon except by a narrow channel which lay under the guns of a powerful fort on the mainland on its northern and eastern faces the city was encircled by a broad creek which ran around it from the inner harbour to the sea in such a way as to form a wide natural moat rendering the city unapproachable from the mainland except by a bridge the bridge was also commanded by the harbour fort nor were land operations possible at any other point except from that part of the spit which lay between the city and the boca grande so finely however did this narrow down before the city could be reached that between the inner harbour and the sea it was but fifty paces wide and here the spaniards had had time to prepare defences that looked impregnable from shore to shore a formidable entrenchment completely barred the way and not only was its front so staked and encumbered as to render a night attack impossible but its approaches were swept by the guns and small arms of a great galleas and two galleys which lay in the inner harbour to a man so tender as drake was ever for the lives of his men and the safety of his ships to attack such a place might well have appeared hopeless but the originality of the amphibious corsair at once descried a hole which had escaped all the science of the spanish martialists instead of entering by the boca grande with consummate skill and daring 
he piloted the whole fleet through the dangerous channel at the extreme end of the lagoon the only impression which so hazardous a movement could create in the minds of the spaniards was that he was about to repeat his santo domingo operations and land his troops there to attack from the mainland such an impression must have been confirmed as moving up the lagoon he anchored opposite the boca grande and threatened the harbour fort with his boats but drake's project was far different instead of being landed on the mainland carleill with eight companies was quietly slipped ashore in the boca grande with instructions to make his way diagonally through the woods that covered the spit till he reached the seashore and then instead of advancing on the front of the entrenchments to wade along through the wash of the surf till he was within striking distance of the spanish position meanwhile frobisher advanced with the flotilla against the harbour fort and as soon as carleill was heard in contact with the enemy's pickets he opened fire the boat attack was repulsed indeed it may only have been intended as what soldiers then called a hot alarm but carleill was completely successful by the march through the surf he had not only evaded the obstacles which the enemy had so carefully prepared but he had been covered from the fire of the galleys in the harbour and had never so much as entered the fire area of the heavily armed entrenchment after a desperate struggle at push of pike the position was carried by assault and once more so hotly was the advantage pursued that in one rush the whole town was captured the garrison fled across the bridge to the hills and next day when drake brought up the fleet to bear upon the fort that also was evacuated no success was ever better earned and few more richly rewarded cartagena was the capital of the spanish main and though much younger than santo domingo it was far wealthier it yielded rich loot for the men and for his shareholders drake after a long negotiation succeeded in extracting a ransom of a hundred and ten thousand ducats besides what he got for an adjacent monastery though to all this plunder drake could add the consolation that he had destroyed the galleys and shipping which crowded the port and blown up the harbour fort which the spaniards had forgotten to include in the convention he was still unsatisfied well knowing that by an advance up the chagres river in his boats panama lay at his mercy he was resolved with its capture to crown the campaign but as he lay in cartagena the sickness which had never really ceased broke out again with new virulence and made such havoc with his forces that he had reluctantly to confess that panama must wait to capture it with the crippled means at his command was impossible and the only question was whether cartagena should be held till he could return with reinforcements the soldiers declared themselves ready to undertake the task but in a full council of war it was finally decided that no strategical advantage would be gained at all proportional to the risk that would be run in further weakening the fleet and on the last day of march the signal to make sail home was flying from the elizabeth bonaventura so severely however did they suffer from the weather and want of water that it was nearly two months before they reached the coast of florida still drake found time and energy to destroy and plunder the spanish settlement of st augustine and relieve raleigh's exhausted colony in virginia 
with the remnants of the settlers on board he weighed for england and on july twenty eighth fifteen eighty six he was writing from plymouth to lord burley laconically reporting his return and apologizing for having missed the plate fleet by only twelve hours sail the reason best known to god he declared that he and his fleet were ready at once to strike again in any direction the queen would be pleased to indicate End of section fourteen